I'm Willie D. Nelson from All Things Good and Nerdy, a pop culture podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other tantalizingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the OfficialGunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and with me is professional podcaster Chris Farrell. The hell? Also with me is professional voiceover artist Stargate Pioneer. Yeah, I need to get more into the voiceover stuff. I have actually gotten paid for my work before, so that's cool, but I I'm, need more. I want more. You do and need more. It's because that I like doing it, just like I like podcasting, just like I like doing the Gonna Geek show. SP, I will pay you $5 to read me 30 minutes of Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. The dirty parts. Sure. The dirtiest parts. $5? That's all it's going to take? I'm surprised that that's his. I, I would have asked for more because you know how how horny Chris Farrell is. You got you got a button on SP's face right now. <laughs> what, okay. what is this thing? For the audio- Are we trying to pause SP? Is it working? <laughs> for the audio listener, uh, there is a pause symbol on Stargate Pioneer's frame, which I think we're going to just leave there for the rest of the show. Um, I, I don't know. That'd be good. Or let's go ahead and hit play. There we go. There. Uh, also, you're missing an amazing job of Chris Farrell doing one of those things that they used to do in the sitcom where they would stay frozen, but then you would kind of oh. look for their eye movements or their their oh, fear switches. If you didn't know this, we stream this live. Just like primarily the show you're how this is, now. is live to the, the network geeks.live on Mondays. And hey, if you want to be a part of our chat room, we would love to have you there because we do chat while we're recording. And if we are happening to record it the day before, we still try to chat with you if we stream it on the day of like we did last week that's what we did it's true true story before we get started uh i want to just do a little uh shout out here for questions i want to pull the audience uh i was recently sent for review a sinope electric wi-fi thermostat it's for baseboard heating and i want to know what questions do people have because i'm going to install it this week and then um get looking and see and eventually i'll have a review for it but I like what SP did when he opened his P8 and posted it to the Gunna Geek channel, or it was H8. P- H8, thank you, to the Gunna Geek Gear channel. He asked people, what questions do you have? So I want to steal his idea and ask you, what questions do you have about this Wi-Fi thermostat? So I, I have a question. Go ahead, SP. Go, no, no, Chris, you first. Question number one, and this is an important one when it comes to home automation because it's paying the butt for a lot of folks. Does it connect to 2.4 or 5 gigahertz? Okay, Because if it's only 2.4... It's a pain in the butt sometimes to connect it to a single SSID network. Okay, so if it's only 2.4, it's a pain? It can be, yes. Okay, is it only 2.4? Okay, I've written that down. There Uh, you go. If anybody has any other questions, let me know, and I will address them in the future. I I have a question. Yes. Go ahead, SP. How does it work controlling the central air conditioning unit? It doesn't. It's not meant for that. It's meant for line voltage. Electric I have a, spec- a secondary follow-up then. Uh, I'm infringing on other uh, 
YouTube property out there, but will it blend? Will it <laughs> blend? Oh, that was remarkably similar to Will I Am, who I hate for ruining Wink. Um, oh, I, have, I have a question. Okay. What colors does it come in? Uh, I think there's only one. But I have I, a I've written that down as well. Are there other colors? Question mark. Does it have RGB on it? Does it have <laughs> RGB on it? And another question you might have, by the way, actually, if you do live in the province of BC, right now is a really good time to get into any uh, electric heating because there's rebates. That's how I got into my big system last year was there was huge provincial rebates. So, hey, keep that in mind. If you're one of those people listening in British Columbia, there's lots of electric uh, rebates on all smart heat, all like all th- pretty much all thermostats of electronic nature. I, I have a question. Smart. Mark, I said smart, but sure, Mark. Oh. Mark, that's my new name. Okay, uh, does it display the remaining available propane or natural gas? That's not electric heating. I'm confused. Oh, well, so it only works with electric. Uh, in the chat, actually, Ken has a really good question, which follows up to my point about, and I mentioned this on the show before, so this is kind of a follow up. He goes, Does it work in only one room or all of them? When you're stuck with baseboard heating, unfortunately, you are, as far as I know, stuck with replacing all of your thermostats for a smart nature, which is why I was able to get into it last year, because last year when the hydro company ran a huge rebate incentive, I ended up getting some for super cheap. Uh, And before that, I had ruled it completely out. I said it on this show. I said it to these guys. I was like, no, I can't do it. It's way too expensive to put one thermostat in every single room. And then luck had it that there was a deal so you know unfortunately that is the case when you've got electric baseboard heating is one per room so how many do you have for your set for your test setup just the one or well this one so the one that i've got uh for review is one only um so i'll be doing it with a specific thing but Fun fact, it's actually the same company as the ones I bought last year. So, right. so I'm curious if it's going to play in my existing system um, as like an add-on, right? Because my legit non-trolling question would be is yeah. if you had like, say, six of them, does it allow you just to set that same temperature across six rooms from one screen? Or do you have to individually go through and be like, living room, I want this to be this temperature. Bedroom one, I want to be this. Kitchen, I want to be this. Because I think that would be a pretty compelling feature if you bought all of these same smart thermostats for your baseboard heat just to be able to at one touch change the temperature to a constant in all of those rooms it's a good question and i will follow up on that um from the one that said the setup that i i paid for myself and have installed myself um i believe you can do that but i don't have that setup i don't have that setup so i can't say 100 but i think i saw it in there that's slick steven yes can it control your robot vacuum you're right we are gonna go to the news (laughs) you know there's really two things that you can count on when we do this show the first is that i am going to make terrible terrible jokes and the second thing is you can count on Chris Farrell being the number one Sony PlayStation fanboy on this podcast. And so he wants to tell you a little bit about the PS5 that he said that he, quote, 
will buy no matter the cost, end quote. He did, actually. Well, well, actually, what I wanted to do was cede my time in the news to Stargate Pioneer to follow up on the uh, vacuuming robot and thermostat question. So I cede my time to SP. Because I did have a follow-up for that because it was actually a statement following up from, I believe it was last week when we were talking about all the announcements Mm -hmm. from that had occurred in September and in the first part of October of all the tech companies and everything. And I said, I wanted a smart home integrated robot, right? Well, it so happens that there kind of is, I mean, it's, you don't have the smart system on the robot. It's not going to talk to you or anything, but you can control an iRobot with your Amazon device, you know, your A word, you, you can do that. And you can even tell it to, vacuum certain areas like around the couch or around the kitchen table or or whatever like that. So I stand corrected. I will admit I am partially wrong because, you know, it's not the the talk at you robot, but it is integrated with the A word so that it can do specific things. So that's pretty cool. I just wish the shark would do it too. Yeah. Um, I got looking at robot vacuums after last week's conversation. <laughs> I have to admit, uh, I do need them really bad, especially with windows and things going to be closed up again and animals running around chasing each other and there's nowhere for yeah. that to go and no, there's no cross ventilation. It's not going to be By great. animals running around chasing each other. You mean your two sons? And them. And them. <laughs> All right, so I think we said we were doing news. Uh, Chris was going to talk about PlayStation 5 backwards compatibility. Apparently, he ceded his time, which means we're moving on to my news. No, that's not true. Go Perfect. ahead, Chris Farrell. Look, in all fairness, I probably should talk about some PlayStation news from time to time because I don't want to be accused of being a fanboy. So let's give equal credence to both sides because I have not talked much about the PS5 when it comes to next-gen consoles. So one of the things we did know about PlayStation 5 is that it would have backwards compatibility for PS4 games. Now, Sony had said most PS4 games, they have clarified now. We have an idea of how backwards compatibility is going to work on the PS5. They said when the PlayStation 5 launches this November, more than 99% of the 4,000 plus available games on PS4 will be playable on PS5. There are, however, some PS4 titles that will not work. There is a list on the PlayStation support site which details 10 incompatible titles. Only 10. And the good news, none of these are heavy hitters. I don't think anyone's going to miss playing Joe's Diner or Shadow Complex or Afro Samurai 2 Revenge of Kuma Volume 1. I've never heard of some of these. So out of the 10 games there, there might be one that people, that at least jumped out to me. And that was the Hitman Go Definitive Edition. So there will be most games playable on the PS4 on your PS5. It should be interesting in that regard. Sony did caution that some PS4 games may exhibit errors or unexpected behavior when played on a PS5. They advise you try to boot and play your PS4 games on PS5 to see if you're happy with the play experience before you download any DLC. So they, as far as they can tell, it should work fine, but it may not. So there's no like money back if it doesn't work properly when you download it to your PS5, things like that. And they do also suggest that if you're going to play PS4 games on your PS5, you also pair a DualShock or DualSense 4 controller, the controller that comes with PS4, to your PS5 because the PS5 controller may not work correctly on backwards compatible games on the PS5. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, I'm not ready to upgrade now, but I may want to upgrade later. 
how do I get my save games? Can I move them forward from my PS4 to my PS5? Well, that same FAQ notes that the ability to transfer save games between a PS4 and a PS5 version of the same game is a developer decision and will vary by title by title for cross-generational games. What does that mean? Well, for example, Insomniac Games is supporting PS4 to PS5 save file transfers for the upcoming Spider-Man Miles Morales, but not for Marvel Spider-Man Remastered. Additionally, Sucker Punch announced on Twitter they will allow Ghost of Tsushima players to transfer PS4 saves and pick up where they left off. So some games you'll be able to transfer your save game. It's just a simple matter of either put them on the same network and copy and paste across the network. You can upload them to your PS Plus cloud drive and then download them. But it does not seem like quite as elegant a solution as what Xbox is doing, which is anything that's an old Xbox game, you stick in the drive and it downloads your save game file from the cloud. You don't have to worry about managing your save games and how you're going to move them back and forth. It's an interesting approach. They're both doing very similar things, but I think Xbox kind of went with the smoother and easier way to uh, transfer save game files and play backward, or I guess in this case, forwards compatible games, which are going to be getting those free upgrades. It's all good for the consumer in this regard, I think. It's just there are some frustration points because I don't know that if I were to get a PS5, I would want to replay all of Marvel's Spider-Man again. I'd kind of want to pick up where I left off to keep getting achievements and things like that. And that piece would be a little frustrating to me. The fact that it's developer's decision, that means that there are some games that could get left in the lurch that you're a fan of. And if you want to have your save game, it's keep playing on your PS4. There's no way to bring it forward. So we'll just have to wait and see. And I'm curious to see if any of that ever changes in regards to how Xbox does it. Because the way they've described it right now, it's basically, yeah, any of these forward compatible games, it just pulls your save game out of the cloud because with your Xbox account, all of your save files are backed up to the Xbox cloud. And as soon as you open the game on a different console, be it a Series X or an Xbox One, it just downloads that game and you can pick up where you've been playing. So I think Xbox has the simpler solution. But I think Sony's sort of getting there. And I think that's good news. Uh, forgive me if I'm uh, skeptical about all backwards compatibility there. I, I've never been able to get the majority of Xbox 360 games to save properly for my kids on the Xbox One S. I continuously have problems with them not being able to save properly with things that titles that they find in like game pass and things and oh, i've never they, had any problems that's yeah. strange no i i there's several um and so eventually they just stop now in all fairness because they stopped they haven't tried it since the first few months that we had it but they ran into this all the time and got frustrated and then just learned that hey if it's xbox one I'm, or xbox uh, 360 i'm not going to do it it might be a canadian thing because i haven't had any problems with my xbox 360 now i don't play xbox as extensively as other people do but i haven't had an issue so it might be the canadian factor here i i don't know well i guess never say never i yeah i don't know you know what canada as we learned last week is full of criminals and there's probably a big you know xbox 360 crime ring going on that is trying to front to sell stolen iPhones from recycled factories. That's what called it is. the Canadian Red Ring of Death. Yes. <laughs> hey, by the way, we're recording this today on Thanksgiving. So if you are Canadian, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy so. Canadian Thanksgiving. Well, Chris Farrell, I look forward to finding out what your experience is when you get, get your PlayStation 5. Ironically, I don't have a pre-order for that one secured. Well, Yet. of course you don't, because you know that you're going to wait in line for one. 
Yeah. Uh, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, my ass is going to go sit in line for an Xbox or a PlayStation. I don't think so. I think he's waiting for a Black Friday deal. Yeah, they're not going to have those on Black Friday deals. They Never they might know. maybe not they'll, new consoles. They'll include a free Spider-Man figure, and then you'll go and wait in line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm one who has risked my health a lot in this pandemic to get stupid crap. Hey, you don't own a Spider-Man figure. You do live in West Virginia. Maybe. What does that mean? Oh, I was Risky making. Uh, I was making a joke because you literally have a large Spider-Man figure to your right, and you have one hanging There's off your microphone as one well. On my microphone yeah. for years. <laughs> that was that was the joke I was making for the audio listener. All right. Well, let's move on to the next news point here, which was something that uh, I I'll be honest. I'm just trying to give Chris Farrell and Stargate Pioneer their "Told You So" moment. Because it looks like ahead of Apple's event tomorrow, they are making some changes around their website. Yes, Apple removed from their website a page that was for, quote, beats by Dr. Dre, end quote. If you didn't remember, the headphone maker beats by Dr. Dre, well, I was actually beats by Dre, was originally, um, or not originally, but was years ago purchased by Apple. And at the time, we had said, oh, it looks like Apple's just trying to get some technology so they can eventually roll it in and make people pay lots of money for this sort of stuff and leverage it when they want to go wireless and all these other things. Well, this was back in 2014 that they bought it, by the way. Uh, Apple had at the time, I think, said something to the effect that they were going to keep it going and they had an intention to keep the brand because the brand had name or had history and loyalty and uh, had made a reputation for itself, but yes, it looks like they did today remove the Beats by Dre section from their website. This was first spotted by Apple Terminal and the uh, Apple Store uh, listed Beats products sold, but didn't actually have that section in there. So I want to know, what's your thought thoughts on this? It looks like the brand is getting removed slowly from their website. Do you think that this is the end of Beats by Dre? Are you just waiting for it to go away? And then you'll have to start making fun of just Apple in another manner because I know all three of us make fun of Beats headphones. So what's your thoughts? Let's start with you, Stargate Pioneer. I heard about this last week, and I think it's pretty obvious that they are going their own way. They might have considered, what is it when you call, what is it when you, what is it called when you buy up a competitor just to take them off the market. There, there's actually a economic term used for that. Um, I think they call that. I got nothing. Not even anything know. witty. Well, there's probably the, a term for it. I think that's how they're considering Beats by Dre right now because in the past, when there was a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack port on most mobile devices, uh, Beats were pretty popular and. If you remove those from the market, then people will have to find other things to buy. So you can keep them going for a while and until it gets to a point where you need to move on. Now, I think that people are wise to the fact that beats don't really sound that great anymore. I mean, I've got, I forget what they're called, solos, old solos with the 3.5 millimeter cord on them. They're not wireless. So if anybody wants them, fine, but they sound like crap. And 
I don't know what to do with them. No, honestly, I, I would like to give them away, basically. Maybe sell them for 20 bucks or something like that. I have no idea. Anyway, I think that's what's going on here is that they're going to introduce a new line of things to compete with uh, maybe the bows or uh, something else that is out there. I'm, I'm not a headphone connoisseur, so to speak, but I know what's dominating the market right now are the smaller wife bluetooth versions you know the buds the wireless buds that are like the uh airpods or chris what did you get the the google the pixel buds the pixel bugs yeah i i think that's what's going to dominate the market right now because a lot of people have just enjoyed using them the active noise cancellation is pretty good on them and really it's starting to rival over-the-ear headphones in terms of capability. And on the bonus, you can only use one, or you only have to use one on most of these. You don't have to use two. And that is actually a bonus when you're talking about uh, the work environment. So you can have one in and one out. It's a bonus if you're working in a crew or if you're doing a family project and you want to listen to a podcast and yet talk to the other people that you're working with. So I, I think, yeah, this is not a surprise move. I think it's surprising a few people that they didn't know it was going to happen right now. But yeah, it's I, not surprising me whatsoever. Chris Farrell, what's your thoughts on this? Writing's been on the wall for a while. They did not buy a headphone company for their technology. They bought a headphone company because it was a fashion statement that all sorts of people were interested in. And if you remember... A lot of what go to the old iPod, excuse me, iPod app, iPod ads, excuse me. God, that was a tongue twister. And all of that was about like the coolness of wearing an i of having an iPod, how hip you are with the white headphones and people dancing around with them. So what they did is they bought a fashionable brand that a lot of people liked. It, it's no secret that most people made fun of Beats for their audio quality because unless you like really bass heavy music, they were not great headphones. So they bought a brand that a lot of people really liked that they were people that were wearing them out in the streets all the time, NFL, NBA players, wearing them going into the stadiums until like the NFL signed a deal with Bose, which is they all had to wear Bose headphones when they were on camera or something to that effect. So it shouldn't surprise anyone. They ran, it ran its course. They made a boatload of money off of it. And they can take that and pivot and say, hey, look, now we have our Apple branded over the head headphones that are coming. And if you believe certain leakers that are out there, they're going to be announced this week. Apple's uber expensive over-the-ear headphones. That's fine. You guys can put those out. I think in today's world, though, like SP said, a lot of people are going to the buds just for convenience factor because if I'm riding the bus or I'm riding the subway, I can just pop these little headphones in my ears. I'm good to go. I'm less noticeable that I may be distracted or anything like that. And it's a lot easier to carry around this little headphone case all day than it is to carry around a big set of cans and have to pair, unpair, and try and shove them in my backpack where they can't be noticed. The convenience of uh, buds and the like, I think, is starting to trump what some people thought was the fashion statement of these over-the-ear cans. Plus, let's not underestimate the charging factor, mm -hmm. because when you throw them in the case, they charge, right? Yeah. And with a big over-the-ear headphones, that's not necessarily the case. You usually have to have some sort of power brick to charge them off of. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest here. The legacy of Beats will live on in whatever new cans that Apple puts out. And I'm sure that when they announce it, they'll make some mention of 
This is built upon what we've learned as being good stewards of Beats for all of these years. And while there may no longer be Beats headphones being put out, they, they, the spiritual succession is in whatever this new Apple product is. And guess what? You can pay an extra 50 bucks now because it's, it's a new product and it's that much more desirable. Let's be honest. It's Apple headphones. We know the price will be expensive. It's going to be Apple headphones plus. That's what it'll be. Well, I don't know what it'll be. I've heard studio headphones is one of the names that was thrown out there. there there's a bunch of different rumors. You're not wrong. Oh. It's just headphone OS. Headphone OS. And it'll have their quick pairing Bluetooth chip in it, which is pretty convenient, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it shouldn't surprise anyone because let's be honest, when's the last time you saw an ad for Beats on TV or on social media or anything like that? You, you don't see it advertised that much anymore. Go back five years ago, and that's all people were talking about. Kids were looking for things for Christmas. And it was all about, oh, my kids want these Beats headphones. They were the mm-hmm. must-have thing, and you couldn't find them. And that's kind of gone away, as these trends do. And headphones are headphones at this point in time and people find what works best for them. And the market is saturated with all sorts of different things. And I, I think SP's right that the over the ear cans, Bluetooth cans for the most part are not exactly the most desirable for the vast majority of folks anymore. That's not to say there aren't some folks going to be like, Oh my God, this is my dream set of headphones. They're Bluetooth over the ear cans that do noise cancellation, have Google assistant or Siri or any of those things in it. That, that could be great, and that's awesome, but I'm pretty sure with Apple, at least, they're going to pay a pretty penny because even when it was still Beats, they are paying a pretty penny. It was always overpriced. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to mention it and say, R.I.P. Beats, we did not, we will not miss you. Just don't forget about Dre. That's true. You know <laughs> what might be cool is if they release at this announcement tomorrow, and I have no indication that they are. But if they do go ahead and release the Apple TV sixth generation with all the gaming stuff and an over-the-ear headphones with a microphone in it that can pair to the Apple TV for online gaming, you know, that would be pretty cool. But they don't have online yeah. gaming on there. No, that's you know, not the type Maybe of they will announce it. I don't think they're barking up that tree. That I, I think it's not the kind of games they're looking at for TVOS, I don't think. They know they know where they can make their their money off of the right. more mobile. That's my thoughts. Yeah. That's my take. Uh, before we do hop off a of headphone talk, I wanted to tie this in here. Um, on Facebook, I'm in a bit of a, a ideals group, and all the time they list all of those like a- Apple AirPod knockoffs. Uh, they oh, yeah. list them all the time. And someone made this post today, uh, or a couple days ago, actually, and it said, "OMG, guys, thanks so much. I am so happy I downloaded the app." And then they sent a picture of what looked like obvious airpod knockoffs right like the white box then in the comments they said the following they go they work really well and my iphone recognizes them as airpod pros it's crazy even the package looks like it's from the apple store and yet the oneplus is being taken by border services yeah. right yeah yeah. And did we talk about that a few weeks ago? We did. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did. But I was just, I just, I had to mention that since we were talking about headphones. It's like, come on, these are these are products that are being sold that are actually faking to the iPhones that they are AirPods Pros, and and OnePlus buds are getting hit at the border. Ridiculous. Somebody paid somebody a lot yeah. of money. There's some politics behind that, I'm sure. All right. Well, in my life, there are two rocket men. Number one is Stargate Pioneer. And the other is in space. 
about to go near Mars or did go near Mars. You tell Oops. me, Stargate. What Pioneer. about John? No, he's not a rocket man. No, it's re- it's really Starman. He would he, he no, it's Rocket Man. Elton John's a Rocket Man. I know, but it's Starman that SpaceX launched in February of 2018 aboard Elon Musk's Tesla. No, I think you're wrong. I think we need to ask William Shatner since he is I'm the best singer of Rocket Man ever. Pretty sure I've had a tweet pinned to my profile mm. for more than two years talking about Starman. Hmm, that's true. No, let's not look at the tweet that's pinned to my profile. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that it's true. It's Starman, but I wanted to sing some Elton John. Rocket Man! No, I'm not going to do it. You sing it like Shatner, though. Rocket Man! Man. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> On Space.com, Mike Wall published an article talking about SpaceX Starman. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. Starman and Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster, which launched aboard SpaceX's debut mission of its Falcon Heavy rocket in February 2018, just cruised by Mars. I assume it's on cruise control for the first time. In a tweet posted on Wednesday, October 7th, SpaceX stated, Starman, last seen leaving Earth, made its first close approach with Mars today within 0.05 astronomical units or under 5 million miles of the red planet. By the way, one AU or astronomical unit is the average Earth-Sun distance, which is about 93 million miles. Or for you Canadians, since it's Canadian Thanksgiving today, 150 million kilometers. That's a lot of gold. You said I'm AU. Sorry? You said what? AU? Yeah, AU. Yeah, gold. Oh yeah. 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 Astronomical units or AU. It's also another abbreviation out there. It's not big A little U like gold is on the periodic table. It's big A dot big U dot. But you just call me fat. You say big U. Jeez, come on, just do your story. Of course, I bet. I've been calling you fat for a while, Steven. So Starman and the Roadster. So Starman and the Roadster circle the sun once every 557 Earth days, according to the tracking site. Where is Roadster.com? We've talked about that website before. As of today, car and driver have covered nearly 1.3 billion miles or 2.1 billion kilometers in space. Far enough to drive all of the roads on Earth more than 57 times over, and that is calculated by whereisroadster.com. Now, the Falcon Heavy has since launched two more missions, both of them operational flights. The booster lofted the communications satellite ArabSat 6A in April of 2019 and delivered two dozen payloads to orbit for a variety of customers two months later. I would like to know if Starman and the Roadster are still in one piece because we have previously reported that eventually this whole thing would be broken apart. So I'm just kind of curious if it's in one piece right now or not. And I think we should launch um, not necessarily a rescue mission, but like an observation mission, kind of like we've launched observation missions to comets out there just to go up there and take constant pictures and just see what's going on with this roadster how much is it tumbling is it in one piece or not that sort of thing i think it would be a fantastic study in space junk i you know legitimately that was the first thing that i thought of when i was reading these headlines about this this uh approach mars was was your comment when this first went up there about you had some speculation on on what would happen in space and it being affected by 
radiation. And and I think you had on here made a comment about what you thought, how long it would take before it broke up. But um, I, I am curious. I am very curious about this. Plus, I'm also curious if Starman has gained sentience. I think we should just send Suncast to investigate. He's already halfway there. That's true. It depends on if there is still battery available. And we don't know. Like They could have deployed some sort of a solar panel to recharge the batteries of the Tesla. We don't know that for sure. It could have popped out of the trunk after we last saw it. You know? I still say Elon hit a body. I mean, that Starman was not a dummy. <laughs> well, it had... They, they had they, the reason they sent it up was for ballast. So that's, you know, 200 pound ballast right there. Yeah. Chris Farrell looked very suspicious. I'm only assuming that he was part of that cover up. No comment. Yeah, I know. It's OK. You're you covered that up. SP covered up the moon landing. It's all it's all a cover uh, up. No, no comment. When have I ever covered up the moon landing? That's true. That's true. You're all in on the fact that it was faked and recorded on no, the Universal no, Studios. I have covered up the Mars landing. That's why Suncast is there. No comment. <laughs> Thank you. I put on cover up. That was my cover up. By Maybelline? Of course. Sponsored Maybe by. he's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. All right. Well, thanks for telling us about that. Moving on to the extra, extra here. A couple things we want to quickly touch on. The first is we are recording this on Monday, October 12th. Like I said, that's Canadian Thanksgiving. But that means that we got a couple of important things tomorrow. The first is what we mentioned a minute ago was the Apple event that is going to happen. Rumor is there's going to be an iPhone 12, an iPhone 12 Pro, an iPhone 12 Pro Max, and an iPhone 12 mini. Allegedly, those are all being announced tomorrow. Uh... Apple TV. I don't think it's in the rumors, but let's just say it is so that SP might get it. Well, we know if it isn't, we'll be able to tell because we'll hear SP screaming <laughs> from his secret SNASA base oh, when it is not sir. announced. Yeah, I'm, I kind of bank on that one more thing, but they have put so many pressers out on what to expect now. I, I honestly don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, but I think they're fools not to, especially if it is legitimately ready to roll. I, I just don't understand that. But Tomorrow, we'll determine what new iPhone that I will order and when I can order it, because that's also up in the air right now. Also, Amazon Prime Days kicks off tomorrow. Uh, I've already made a related purchase, one of those free things. Uh, hey, I bought an Echo um, Auto, which is exactly what I needed mm. for my element. But I'm sure next week we'll probably talk a little bit about some of our Prime Day deals. So I'll just leave that. He's so, there. What, one clarification. That's because you don't have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay baked into your head unit, correct? Is this a 2003 vehicle that is 100% okay. correct? <laughs> right, right. And, and I think that's an important <gasps> distinction for us to yes. make as we start to discuss this is that that is a perfect use case for that. But if you're mm -hmm. someone who already has access to CarPlay or Android Auto, it's probably less utility. Yeah. And you know what? I'll I'll actually go and say I, I told my dad about this. He uh, decided to try it as well because he's got a modern vehicle that doesn't have Android Auto or car um, Apple CarPlay or whatever. Is that what it is? Anyways, yeah, yeah. Apple CarPlay. Car yeah, and so he um, he hates the voice interaction that his Nissan has on it, and he just tried it today, and he's like, this solves all of my problems. And he's mm -hmm. got he's got the Bluetooth connection with me. Mine mine's analog, but again. I'll talk more about this probably next week, maybe. I've had one for 
probably over a year and I got it specifically for a car that doesn't have any interactivity. It's a 2007 car that I still need to rebuild the engine on. So I'm glad, Stephen, you beat me to it at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's 20 bucks now. So for those who are on the fence, think about it. It's already looking, though, if you are doing Prime Day stuff, it's looking like, again, it will be even more so the case that uh, the deals are to be had with Amazon's products. That seems yes. to be the case. And I, I have to say, it makes a lot of sense to me because we've been seeing a, a struggle lately with um, in the last couple of years with third parties really putting like good things in there. There have been some things like the Stream Deck deals and you know some other things. But the thing is, right now, this year, everywhere, there's a supply chain shortage. So this is usually a good good opportunity for them to get a little bit of a summer, because it usually comes in the summer, a little bit of a summer spike in their sales before they get towards the end of the year, clear out some inventory, things like that. But there's a shortage of inventory. So it kind of makes sense to me that that's where my expectations are anyways, is not to, to see a lot of good third-party deals. And in case you don't like to deal with Amazon, there's going to be a lot of price matching with the other uh, retailers, mm. major retailers out there like Target, Walmart, and Best Buy. So just keep an eye on that. So if you see a deal, not just with Prime Day, but any time during the holiday season with one retailer, odds are you'll see it with another retailer. And as we know, with the holiday real special doorbuster dealer deals that those are things that are put together specifically for the retailer that has them. And there's not really a one-for-one -one match somewhere else. My guess is that this year they will try to find a, the best match and make the deal. So maybe if you're looking at a deal on one place, you'll actually find a better deal somewhere else because it's a better quality product, but they need to do the price matching mm -hmm. in order to gain your business, basically. Fun fact. Cheap TV is not worth my life, in my opinion. So, uh, nope. Don't, won't no, find and me. That's, and that's specifically my point is if you have a, a great deal, like they were referencing, like a 75 inch, I haven't looked at the specifics, but a 75 inch 4K TV for like $598. Okay. That's one of the deals that I know I'm not going to want to mm. take because it's not going to have the uh, display that I want or the refresh rates or, resolution or, or, or in, you know, anything like that, that number of HDMI inputs. And the fact is that they are giving a price uh, point of $598 on a 75 inch 4k TV. Maybe somebody else will have that same price on a 75 inch 4k TV with better capabilities on it. So you just got to shop around for the price matching. I, before we hop off of this price thing, I got one final thing that I would give you as a piece of advice for finding sales is make sure you take advantage of the SPP. And that stands for the Stargate Pioneer price. And that's where you break into his house and you steal all of his stuff. That's what I plan to do. We've already talked about the defensive capabilities I have in place around my home so i would highly discourage that somebody do that <laughs> i know you don't have that drone because it probably fell over and crashed 
Oh, the the drone that we've made operational with an illegal weapon. Oh yeah, on it? that one. That's right. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, you do have your knife wielding robo robovac. We also call it a Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> Death Star. And before SP uh, does his symposium, SP, you got a couple other quick space things you wanted to hit on. I do. There's just two other things that I've been following in the space news that I wanted to give updates on this week because I doubt we'll be able to fit them in. And one in, in next week or whatever. One is the James Webb Space Telescope. It passed crucial launch simulation tests, some environmental tests, and it is on schedule right now, at least, for a liftoff on October 31st, 2021, atop an Arrain 5 rocket from the Europe's spaceport down in French Guiana. And the other story that I want to talk about is SpaceX's next astronaut launch for the Crew Dragon is delayed until November. It was delayed, first of all, until October 31st. We talked about it a few weeks ago. It's now delayed to sometime in November, and that is fine with SpaceX because the delay will provide additional time for them to complete hardware testing and data reviews on the Falcon 9 rocket in the first stage gas generators, which were observed to have some anomalies on a recent launch. So I don't know if the delay was specifically for that, but it will allow some extra analysis to happen in before the humans actually launch to the space station. So that's a couple updates on some things that we've been following here on Guinea Geek. I feel like I need one of those like beep, 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 space news stingers. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to extract you, that. You, you forget. Beep, 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 beep. Space news stingers. Steven forgets how lazy I am to be like, oh, well, that sounds like a great idea, but that sounds like work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've also pulled stuff like that before directly from a previous episode and just threw it on a bump. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, if you want to keep in touch with us about some of these news topics when we're not recording the show, come to our Discord server at betterpodcast.gunageek.com slash Discord, and we would love to see you there because these sort of things we talk about throughout the week, and half the time people tell me how wrong I am about the news points. That's what happens. Let's go ahead and move on to SP's Space Symposium. Stargate Pioneer, for those that aren't familiar with SP's Space Symposium, what is it and what are you going to do this week? Well, this is really cool for me because I get to talk about an in-depth space mission out there. We started this on March 7th, 2016. We talked about the James Webb Space Telescope. Since then, we have done 33 of these. So this will be the 34th. And we've done all sorts of space telescopes. We moved on to orbiting probes, and then we've done interplanetary probes, which is where we are right now. I've also got landers and rovers and crewed missions that are on the list. But this week, I want to talk about Pioneer 11, which was a American space probe that was launched in 1973. In the previous few episodes that we did here, it was Pioneer 10, which was on Gunna Geek episode 327, Mariner 10 on Gunna Geek episode 338, and Pioneer 11 now for 349. Yes, don't, Steven. Don't do it, Steven. 
Question for you. Quest. Is that mean that SP Space Symposium is only about things that have your your name involved with it? Because you did a couple of pioneers. I knew he was going to go there. No, not at all. We talked about Mariners. We talked. We it's even did one disproven. on Alouette, which was the first Canadian Alouette. Oh, oh. I thought your full legal name was Stargate Mariner Alouette Pioneer. My legal name is not Stargate whatsoever. <laughs> you can call me SP, though. My yeah, dad does. It's Chapa I, not Stargate. <laughs> My dad does not call me SP because Stargate Pioneer either, but he calls me SP because that is my real name. Unlikely. All right, well, then question for you. Quest. How much did you have to do with this since it shares your name? Absolutely nothing. I was not working in the space industry in 1973. So what you were saying is back then you were not pioneering the way? Damn it. <laughs> Wasn't until Stargate. No. Go ahead. All right. So, so we're <laughs> going to talk about Pioneer 11, which was the first spacecraft to study Saturn up close. Now, the mission ended in 1995 and Pioneer 11 is currently on a trajectory to take it out of the solar system. Matter of fact, I think it might be out of the heliosphere right now. Now, Pioneer 11 is one of five spacecraft that's on that trajectory, taking them out of the solar system. There was Pioneer 10, which we talked about a couple of symposiums ago. Pioneer 11, which we're talking about today. Uh, Voyager 1 and 2, which I believe I'll cover both next time because I just can't do them separately. And do you guys remember what the fifth one was? Pioneer 18. Now, Chris, do you remember? I do not. You don't? I mean, it went by MU69 because that's where life might have begun. And we've talked about that before on this show. I don't remember that at all. I would have had to have heard it more than once about MU69. <laughs> like nice. for 100 episodes in the <laughs> intro. <laughs> so New Horizons was the other one that went by Pluto. Oh. Uh, so Pioneer 11 will pass near the star Lambda Aquila in almost 4 million years. It's not there yet. And like Pioneer 10 and Voyager 1 and 2, Pioneer 11 carries a message from humanity to the cosmos. You know, the plaque that's on board that is famous from cosmos and stuff like that. New Horizons did not carry a plaque, but it does make a statement. Do you know what that is, Stephen? Made in USA. That's right. Made in USA. America. I can follow Jeez. along your notes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wish we could project a picture of this thing because it's largely like Voyager 1 and 2. Matter of fact, Voyager 1 and 2 are basically Pioneer 12 and 13. We'll talk about that next time around. Now, the objective was to do both a Jupiter flyby and a Saturn flyby. The spacecraft was originally dubbed Pioneer G, and it was just Pioneer 11. It's the 11th in the Pioneer series. It was a 570 pound or 258.7 kilograms spacecraft when it was launched. It was designed by NASA. It was launched aboard an Atlas Centaur rocket in Cape Canaveral. So it had uh, 12 listed scientific instruments. Some of them were duplicitous. It had an imaging photopolar meter on it. It had a uh, magnum magnetometer on it it had a radiometer on it it had a plasma analyzer on it 
It had an ultraviolet photometer on it. It had a charged particle instrument, a cosmic ray telescope, a Geiger tube telescope, all of which we talked about before in these space symposiums. It had an asteroid meteor detector called an AMD. It also had smaller meteor detectors across the spacecraft. It had a trapped radiation detector and then another version of a magnetometer. Now, unfortunately, it had some design trade-offs, though, and this actually came to an issue later on at near end of life, and we'll get to that. But they had to make some trade-offs, and the biggest of these was not to include an onboard computer, at least not in the traditional sense. So there was a tiny amount of memory on board, about 6KB, which is just enough to store five commands uplinked from Earth. But everything the spacecraft would need to do would be commanded from the ground over the deep space network, taking into account the roughly 90 minute round trip when the satellite was at Jupiter and longer when it was at Saturn. This was the first spacecraft to fly by Saturn. So their Pioneer 10 flew by Jupiter. So this was not the first flyby of Jupiter, but it was the first flyby of Saturn. Some key dates, it was launched on April 6, 1973. It flew through the asteroid belt in 1974, mid-March time frame. On December 3rd, 1974, it had its Jupiter flyby. And September 1st, 1979, it had its Saturn flyby, so roughly six years after launch. And on February 23rd, 1990, it crossed the orbit of Neptune on February or September 30th, 1995. The last made contact was made with the spacecraft and on november 24 1995 scientists received the last engineering data from pioneer 11 and i just want to note that because it did not have an onboard computer because it had to depend on those commands that were given from the earth once it reached low energy levels in its power source the rtg on board that it just wasn't going to be able to communicate back and forth to Earth like Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 ultimately have been. So it was basically dead the last time we were able to contact it. So it had some mission anomalies along the way. It had a number of malfunctions, including the momentary failure of one of the RTG booms to deploy and a problem with an altitude control thruster or attitude control thruster, excuse me, and the partial failure of the asteroid dust detector, but none of those jeopardized the mission. So it was just nuisance anomalies that happened. Now, when it went by Jupiter, it wasn't the first time we flew by Jupiter, but it was able to make some additional observations that Pioneer 10 was not able to make. One of which is as it flew by the atmosphere, which included a magnosphere or the magnetic field around Jupiter, it noticed that the magnetic field wasn't as symmetrical, basically, as Earth was, and that it had uh, definitely boundaries that were different on board. So as it was flying through, it would ping and then it would go off. It would ping again, it would go off. So it's not as uniform as around Earth. So that was an interesting discovery as well as it took better images of the big red spot, which we already knew existed even before Pioneer 10. And Pioneer 11 took about 200 images of the moons of Jupiter. So that was all good stuff, and it had a better, cam slightly better camera than Pioneer 10. 
Now, the spacecraft approached Jupiter at its closest point about 13,000 miles, and it was moving at a relative velocity of 71,000 miles per hour at the closest point of approach. During the encounter at Jupiter, the spacecraft took a total of 440 images, images of the entire planetary system with about 20 at a resolution of 56 miles or 90 kilometers, which was pretty good back in 1973 when this thing was launched. The images of Saturn's moon Titan, which was at a resolution of 112 miles, so not very good, but you still saw a orange fuzzy satellite and a brief burst of data on Titan indicated that the average global temperature was minus 315, 315 degrees Fahrenheit, or if you're Canadian, minus 193 degrees Celsius, which I think is just a couple of degrees warmer than the northern territories of canada that's just a bit brisk yes now among pioneer 11's many discoveries of jupiter were an additional narrow ring outside the a ring named the f ring and a new satellite 124 miles in diameter excuse me this is all saturn this is not jupiter here so uh. the thirteen thousand miles that it approached was Saturn, not Jupiter, at 71,000 miles. I'm not interested if it's Saturn. They, they make terrible cars. Made. They don't exist yeah, anymore. Yeah, right. Nice try. <laughs> so the photographs indicated more featureless atmosphere than that of Jupiter, and analysis of data suggested that the planet was primarily made of liquid hydrogen, and we have since determined that's the upper atmosphere and at lower atmospheres, it could be made of something else. So after leaving Saturn, Pioneer 11 headed out of the solar system in a direction opposite of that of Pioneer 10. And this was towards the center of the galaxy instead of outside of the galaxy as Pioneer 10 is. It's in the general direction of Sagittarius. And we talked about the last contact and we talked about the plate. And as of November 5th, 2017, Pioneer 11 was estimated to be about 97.59 astronomical units, which is 9.1 billion miles or 14.6 billion kilometers from Earth. So guys, what do you think about the first, uh, first approach of Saturn and Pioneer 11? Well, you lost me when you told me about the false advertising because you said that it said made in USA, but Pioneer is a Japanese company. I thought Pioneer was an American company originally. I thought so too. No, no. Pioneer Corporation is is a Japanese corporation. Who's well, Googling they, this they right now? They got bought out, I believe, by, by something like Sony or something like that. So yes, now, but originally, I'm pretty sure it was an American company. Hmm... I don't think so. Don't think so, but... Yeah, I don't think so. It was founded in Japan in 1938. <laughs> <laughs> I just checked it. Stephen wins. I thought okay. you were right, too, that's, SP. That's cool. I okay. thought you were right. I admit yeah. it. Okay, so th this is cool, but I'm, I'm... You always break my heart a little bit when you tell me stories about how things can't be heard from anymore and how I have to accept that they're gone. Well. This carries the plaque. So the same plaque that's on Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. It's the same sort of stuff. So, you know, Voyager 1 
or the Voyager series is famous because of Star Trek, the movie, right? Voyager, right. It could, it could be Peter instead. I, I was going to make a Peter joke. <laughs> uh, you, you've been podcasting with me too long, SB. That's right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> Chris Farrell, what do you T- think? Title of you? Never mind. Yeah, it's true. Go ahead. I always learn a lot when it comes to this stuff, and I enjoyed learning more this time around, and I had not learned a bunch about Saturn in the past, so it was kind of cool to hear temperatures and things like that. And Much like Steve and I echo that sentiment of, man, it's really cool to hear these stories of all these things these probe do, probes do, and then years later, they're like, oh yeah, they're dead now, and you kind of have that moment of, oh man, poor one out for Pioneer. Well, it's really no different than like the rovers that were on Mars. It's just I'm still we- sad about them. We have a better chance of recovering them on Mars. Than well, yeah, these. Suncast is going to go pick them up. <laughs> yeah, he might have already picked them up. I don't know. It's his but, new footstool. Yeah, the thing with these is that they're flying out in space. And like we just talked about with the Tesla, you don't know in Starman. You don't know if these things are in one piece once they stop operating either. That's true. It's true. Well, thank you very much, Stargate Pioneer. I look forward to learning next time about Pioneer 13. So one last thing, Kent in the chat referenced that Voyager was famous to him from Cosmos. Interestingly enough, the plaques that were on Pioneer 10 and 11 also had Carl Sagan involvement because they were designed by both him and SETI founder Frank Drake. So Carl Sagan was involved in the Pioneer missions. Cool. But not the Pioneer stereos. I don't know. He he might have been. I, I, at this point, I was wrong about it being an American company, so I had no <laughs> idea. We've shaken all of our faith right now. Nobody knows anymore. <sighs> yeah, and, and some people are going, what's a stereo? So thank you very much yeah. for checking out another episode of the official Gunna Geek Show. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, it's something that we do enjoy doing, and we hope that you can some point pop that by our live chat if you're checking us out after the fact. We did get a follow-up from the one and only Damien the DM, the newest member of the mm. Guinea Geek Network. He did update us this week, and he did mention that we said we're pretty sure he was a viewer, but he's a listener, not a viewer. He listens after the fact. So, Damien, you're missing a special message that I'm giving you right now. As I'm talking to you, Steven, put your finger away. It's <laughs> so mean. SP, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote since Chris Farrell is going to cede his time to you as well? There's so much going on right now. We've got the Mandalorian coming out pretty soon. We've, we've got uh, the Expanse, se- next season of the Expanse coming out. There, there's so much going on right now. If you want to talk about these amazing shows, which are on streaming services, Picard, the next season of Picard, find us on our Discord at gunnageek.com slash Discord and go to the TV and film channel and just talk to us about it because we like to talk about that stuff. And also, I think Chris has a great announcement that he's going to plug and promote right now, too. Well, I hope I'm plugging the same announcement that you're thinking I'm going to, but there are a bunch of folks here on the Gunna Geek Network that are going to be getting together a couple times this week to play the game Among Us that you might have seen has gone insane on Twitch. So right now we are planning on putting together a game on Tuesday at 9 p.m. and Thursday at 9 p.m. And if you want to come join us 
Anyone can. It is free to play on mobile. So on iOS or Android, it is a free ad-supported download. Or on PC, it is a $5 PC game. And the way we'll play it is I'll share a room code with folks and we'll use the chat feature in the Gonna Geek Discord so that when it comes to trying to figure out who the killer is among us, we can do it via voice instead of having to type things out in the chat room. And if for some reason you just want to learn how to play the game, we will be streaming it on my Twitch. You can go to nerds.live because I cribbed Steven's URL idea so that you could so that we could have that. Mm. And um, yeah, Tuesday and Thursday, if you're interested in playing, hit me up on Twitter at the Chris Farrell. We've got probably six to eight people confirmed so far. And in regards to Gunna Geek personalities, it's myself, Willie Nelson, Anthony Bachman, and perhaps even one Naki, formerly of the All Things Good Nerdy podcast, maybe joining us Tuesday night. And I know Kent had talked about wanting to join us in the chat room as well. So we've got a decent group that is interested in playing. Uh, two things. Number one, uh, you're welcome to crib me anytime, Chris Farrell. Uh, number I'm two, I'll put you in a crib and put then uh, swaddle you. Number two, I figured out who the killer is among us. You told us, like, with your eyes, that you literally killed the body with Elon Musk and threw it into space. Steven is sus. I don't trust him. I don't know if he knows what that means. Not sure. So for episode number 349 of the official geek.com show, I'm Steven John Drew saying which of these two are going to get my time. It's going to be Chris Farrell with the Among Us, or is it going to be SP with Squadron? We'll find out. I'm SP saying I'm playing Squadron, so let me know who you are. I'll join you. Don't be sus. Come play Among Us. Still don't know what it is. Steven is sus. Bye. Sure. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.